This morning that's entitled a testimony of compassion and I believe that every one of us in this room has our own personal testimony of compassion and not necessarily you know may not necessarily be a testimony that you have where someone showed you but I hope that has been the case but I'm sure you've got your own personal testimony of how compassion has been a part of your life because you have shown it to others but hopefully at the same time we can all agree that we've been shown compassion uh, from others as well. And yet, I want to look at several examples in Scripture of just regular testimonies of the Scriptures recorded how compassion impacted a person's life or a community and how it changed them. And compassion is one of those virtues or, uh, should I say, one of the most precious gifts that you and I can give to someone else that could probably change the destiny of their life because when maybe something else around them did not show compassion, we did because of that which is deep within us. And so in Acts chapter 7, verses 54 through 60, there is a wonderful story of compassion 
But unfortunately, it was the end of someone's life. And you find in Acts chapter 7 and 54 through 60, it's about Stephen, the first Christian martyr. And beginning in verse 54, when they heard these things, they were enraged in their hearts and gnashed their teeth in him. But Stephen, filled by the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven. He saw God's glory with Jesus standing at the right hand of God, and he said, Look, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Then they screamed at the top of their voices, stopped their ears, and rushed together against him. They threw him out of the city, and they began to stone him. And the witnesses laid their robes at the feet of a young man named Saul. They were stoning Stephen as he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And then he knelt down and he cried with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And saying this, he fell asleep. Now, if someone begins to throw rocks at me, I don't know if I've got the muster within me to say, Father, forgive them. Don't charge them against, don't put anything against them or charge them with their crime. And yet Stephen, as a love, lover of, of the Lord God, was able to look out amongst the screaming, mad, angry crowd and say to them, Say to God in a prayer, God, don't charge them because of the sin that they do. And if that's not a story of compassion, I don't know what a story is. A man who, who knew that he was dying, yet could offer love and compassion to the very crowd who was killing him. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? We'll look at that in just a moment as well. So when it comes to mistreatment, how do you respond? It's not really a question to answer out loud, but it's a question to think about. You know, when you, when you are mistreated, how do you respond? You know, and every one of us responds in different ways. And every one of us are challenged in different ways. There are probably some great testimonies in this room and those who are tuning in that could, could say to us that, that, this is how I responded, and I look back, and I think I responded good in the midst of that mistreatment, and I represented God in the midst of that. But I guess the ultimate question is what's deeply within our heart is, better yet, when you are mistreated, how do you want to respond? That's two different questions, isn't it? One, how you and I actually responded, and how you and I actually want to respond. Now, wanting to respond and responding can be two different things. Now, I'm sure that, that Stephen, if he had time to evaluate it, probably could have answered that question, those two questions, the way he wanted to respond from based on his human nature or the way he responded based on the love of God within him. And I'm sure that there's two opposing views, as it is in your life and as it is in my life. And yet, we're constantly bombarded 
with answering probably this question when we're mistreated. Am I going to respond the way I want to or am I going to respond the way I'm compelled to by the love of Christ? And so that mistreatment can define for us whom we love greater and what we're going to do because of that love that's deep within us. Sometimes we may want to cheer some people on in the background. You know, go ahead, take your revenge. You deserve it. Respond to that and let them know you're boss. <laughs> or, or exert your authority and let them know who they're dealing with. But yet at the same time, there may be times where we must remain quiet and we watch what's going to happen and then we realize that the glory of God is being revealed through the midst of the response from that mistreatment. And we see that in Stephen's life. A man who was being killed, who was being beat to death by rocks and stones, one stone at a time. The pain, the blood, the anguish, the hurt, the hatred, the bitterness, the screaming, the yelling, the hollering, pointing their finger, mad at God, taking it out on Stephen. And yet he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Beautiful, isn't it? And you say, well, that sounds like Jesus. Well, indeed it is. Let's look at that. In, in Luke chapter 23, as you compare the two deaths, and you look at what Jesus did in Luke 23, verses 32 through 34, and then jumping over to verse 46. Two other criminals were also led away to be executed with him, with Jesus. When they arrived at the place called the Skull, they crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on the right and one on the left. And then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, because they do not know what they're doing. And then they divided his garments and cast lots. Jesus basically says, Father, do not charge, do not have a charge against them because of their sin. Forgive them, for they know not what they do. And then over into verse 46, Father, or Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Father, into your hands I entrust my spirit. In saying this, he breathed his last. Sounds very familiar, doesn't it? As from that passage we read in Acts chapter 7 of Stephen. And so, G so Stephen takes the example of Jesus, the, what he saw and what he knew of Jesus, and understood how Jesus handled mistreatment. And when it came to his own death, he did the very same thing that Jesus would do. And he shows compassion and love and care for those who hated him and was calling for his death. And so thinking of this, I thought, are there examples throughout Scripture of various moments of compassion and what was the result, the end result of the compassion experience that happened on the very streets and the lives of individuals? And so the first one I think about is in Luke chapter 10. It's a passage of Scripture of, of Luke 10, verses 30 through 37, that gives us that example of compassion, and it's the Good Samaritan. It's a wonderful story. 
It's a warming story. It's one of those you, you nestle up to a fire during the wintertime while you're, you're eating your ham sandwich late in the evening and you're drinking your southern sweet tea and you take out the scriptures and you begin to read the story of the Good Samaritan and it inspires you. It inspires you know, to, to want to get a second ham sandwich because you're getting excited about it. And, and you read that story and you're wondering, where can I be the Good Samaritan in life? And will I be challenged to do that? And in Luke chapter 10, verse 30 through 37, it begins this. Jesus took up the question and said, A man was going from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him, beat him, fled, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the road. When he saw it, he passed by on the other side. In the same way, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, saw him, and he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan... On his journey came up to him, and when he saw the man, he had compassion. He could not walk to, from, from this man, and he could not pass by on the other side as others had done. He went over, and he bandaged his wounds and pouring on oil and wine, and then he put him on his animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, gave it to the innkeeper, and he said, Take care of him. And when I come back, I'll reimburse you for whatever extra expense that you have. And then the question is asked, which of these three do you think proved to be the neighbor to the man who fell in the hands of robbers? And the one who showed mercy to him, he said. And Jesus told him, go and do the same. So it's obviously a beautiful story of how here was three people who saw the same situation. They saw a man who had a need. And only one of the three, 33%, one of the three responded to this man's need and, and, and did so. And as he responded in compassion, the outcome was the man lived. The man was given life because someone showed compassion. It just could be, it may just be that the person who's crying out for compassion and we show them that compassion, it could be that we help save their life. It may not be that they're laying by the roadside bleeding or about to die, but what we do for them may change the course of the destiny of their life for eternity. And it may grant to them life. So you never know when we're called on to do some good for someone else and the result will be as we give that good because, uh, as a gift to them because of the goodness and the greatness of God that's within us from the gift that we've already received. Compassion. It may not always be easy to show compassion, especially when someone says that, you know, they don't, we know they don't really like us or they're not supporting us or they're not showing love back toward us. And it's easy sometimes to walk away from that, but how much rewarding it is if someone says back to us, you know, I remember the day. I remember the day when you stood when no one else stood and you put your arm around me when no one else wanted to and you showed love to me when no one else did and the result of what you did for me back then is why I am who I am today. Someone who says, I believe in you. Someone who says, I care for you. Someone who says that I want to help you, and you actually do it. Compassion makes a difference. Compassion makes a difference for the entire world. We look at Jesus' example, 
And he says, he could have said, Father, I want you to zap them. Don't forgive them and get them all. But he didn't. He says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I love the very people who hate me. I love the ones who've crucified me. I love the ones who don't, don't, want, to be, won't, don't want me in their presence any longer. I love them, Father. And Stephen says the same thing. Yes, I got a splitting headache, more than I could ever imagine. And it's getting worse by every stone thrown. But Father, I love them. Please don't charge anything against them because of their sin. And he breathed his last breath. Compassion makes a difference. And a good Samaritan comes along and says, man, I can't, I can't pass by this guy any longer. I've got to scoop him up. I've got an obligation here to provide care. And I've got an obligation here to, to show my love. And he takes him. Not only does he just bandage him up, he also takes care of him financially so he doesn't have the burden of any financial strain through his care and, and his recuperation. A wonderful story of compassion, to say the least. A second example is in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 in verses 3 through 7. And it's the passage that many translations of Scripture has in the title, the God of comfort. And Paul begins in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 7. He says, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. He comforts us in our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any kind of affliction through the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For as the sufferings of Christ overflow to us, so our comfort overflows through Christ. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we're comforted, it is for your comfort, which is experienced in the endurance of the same sufferings that we suffer. And our hope for you is firm, because we know that as you share in the sufferings, so you will share in the comfort. So here was Paul's way of saying, you know, the, the terribleness that has happened to me and the terribleness that has happened to you, could it just be that God is going to orchestrate it and he's going to change it and he's going to rework it. He's going to remake you. He's going to remold you through that experience so that what you receive back from God in comfort may be an opportunity to give that comfort away to someone else who's been right there in your shoes. It's, it's hard to look at the, the, the hardness that comes toward us. It's hard to, to embrace the difficulty that happens to us. It's, it's, it's very hard to fathom that the pain that we suffer has a greater goal and a greater good when we're actually going through it. And yet, it's not necessarily why God is this happening, but what, God, are you teaching me through it? And what can I learn that's going to better help me to serve someone else who's going to walk in the same shoes that I've just walked in that I can offer care and I can offer comfort? Well, it's interesting. The word comfort here is paraclete. It's the very same word in John chapter 17 that Jesus prayed the prayer for the coming of the Holy Spirit, the coming of the paraclete, the comforter. And so 
The same term, Greek term, that Jesus used in describing the Holy Spirit that will come and will inundate the world when he eventually ascends back to the Father is the same Greek word Paul uses as comfort or comforter when you and I become that comforter, that paraclete, just as the Holy Spirit becomes our comforter, we become the comforter of someone else. So therefore, through us, the Holy Spirit is going to comfort others. Paul puts the two together. And so when, when you are down and out the next time, and, and, and when that fever breaks, and you feel better, and you look back at where you were, and you begin to ask the question, you know, what am I to do next? Then maybe it just could be that what you've gone through is going to help someone else go through their difficulty. Or when you're having a financial crisis or you're having a marital dispute or you're having a work-related issue or you're having some type of, of family relationship and you're going through a difficulty and it's been a period of time and all of a sudden you get through that and you say, okay, this is what I received and what am I supposed to do with what I've received? but to help someone else. Help them to go through it and hold their hand, embrace them, encourage them, help them gain strength, help them to realize that God does meet all and supply all their need according to the riches of his glory. But is there a third example? It is. In Luke chapter 7, verses 36 through 38, is Mary's allegiance to Christ. And it becomes an example of compassion for others who are looking in. It's almost as if they're looking through a window, watching everything that happened, and it seems to be a little bit troubling for others. And in Luke chapter 7, verses 36 through 38, then one of the Pharisees invited him, invited Jesus, to eat with him. He entered the Pharisee's house. He reclined at the table. And a woman in the town who was a sinner found out that Jesus was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house. She brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil and stood behind him at his feet, weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears. She wiped his feet with the hair of her head, kissing them and anointing them with the fragrant oil. If you keep on reading, when the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, this man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what kind of woman this is who's touching him. She's a sinner. All right, you see what begins to take place, and you keep on reading. Jesus then tells a little story to try to get them to grasp the fact that here was a woman who was displaying a great amount of faith because she knew that she was in the presence of God. She knew that she was in the presence of the one who gave her life. She knew that she was in the presence of one who showed compassion to her in her time of need when she was at a point in her life. And yet she is not holding back in her love, compassion, and care of the Messiah. But those who were standing by who had the religious stance could not see beyond the sin in this lady's life. And yet drew her out and twice made comments about her uncleanliness of her life. Nothing about the, man, the men in her life, just her. Not pointing out anybody else, but just her. 
And yet she shows compassion to Jesus. And she recognizes what the Levites, the Pharisees, and everybody else could not see. She saw a loving God and she saw her salvation as she washed the feet of Jesus and she kissed the feet of Jesus and she showed her allegiance to Jesus and she gave her life to him right there in the most humble way at the dirty feet of this Christ whom she loves now as her Savior. And the religious people could not see it. So you see, compassion makes a difference. Compassion makes a difference when we, we give that away. Compassion is an example of a great faith that you and I have and can impact everyone around us. It can draw others to the very one whom our faith is placed in. It can bring allegiance in people's hearts when they see our allegiance stands above and, and, and over all. And so here was one who had such compassion for Jesus and such love for Jesus because she knew that the compassion and love was there for her shows allegiance when others could not. We know that everything we do is seen by those around us. And you know there's got to be one who's feeling excitement. There's got to be one who's seeing something completely different what they ever expected, and it's inspiring them. It's encouraging them. It's drawing something out of them that they're wanting to have just like she had. And they're wanting to get rid of and accept what she has accepted. Compassion can make a difference, and it can change a person for eternity. A fourth example of compassion is in John chapter 11. In John chapter 11, verse 32 through 36, is this passage where Jesus, Lazarus dies, and Mary and Martha, they're wanting Jesus to come to the little town of Bethany, and yet Jesus delays his coming, and as a result, Lazarus dies. And when Jesus comes into that environment, this is where we see the compassion of Jesus. And in verse 32 through 36, when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and she told him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her crying and the Jews who had come with her crying, he was angry in his spirit and is deeply moved. Where have you put him? He asked. Lord, they told him, come and see. And here it is. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. It's interesting that Jesus, fully God, but fully human, overtaken by his own emotion when he saw one of his friends lie there in death and had such compassion, he, he, he began to weep. Even though he knew he was going to rock their world and he was going to shake the dust off of a dead man's feet. He knew he was going to raise him from the dead and he knew he was going to blow the circuits of everybody who saw it. But still, he was very compassionate and he had care and love and he understood grief. 
So I wonder, was he really crying for the death of Lazarus or was he crying because he saw Mary and Martha hurting so bad and the Jews who were there? I just wonder when he, when he looked out in the crowd, he saw their pain. He saw their hurt. He saw their anguish. He saw their, their difficulty. He saw their struggle. He saw them trying to clear their throat and say something, but the, the, the quivering of their voice, the, the crying of their voice was too much to, to fathom. And Jesus got into the very moment, into their heart, and he was so moved that they were hurting so bad and he had compassion on them all. Because Jesus knew he was getting ready to raise the dead man. He knew he was getting ready to bring about something grand when he calls him forth from the tomb. He knew what he was getting ready to do because he, he, had said, he said that prior to that ver few verses we read. So he looks out at the ones who are hurting and he cries with them. You ever, have you ever looked at someone and because of their pain you began to cry? That's Jesus. He's empathizing, he's sympathizing, he's right there with them. He feels their pain and he shows them compassion. It would have been easy for him to laugh and, and to turn his back and say, you know, I'm getting ready to watch their tears become joy. But no, he took a time to show them he really, really cared. He cared about the hurt. He cared about their difficulty. He cared about their situation. He cared about their pain. He cared about their difficulty. He cared about their heart that was being burdened so bad, and he cried with them. And fifth, another example is in John chapter 21, when Peter went back to his former way of life, gave up on himself because he had already denied Jesus three times and he was running from his calling and he was running from being recognized as a believer and as a faith follower, as a Christian and he ran back to what he knew that he could do and succeed in and he went back to the seashore of Galilee and he began to fish from the very time that Christ had called him for three and a half years prior from that same lake. He went back to that lake of Genericet or the Sea of Galilee and there he's fishing. And Jesus comes up to him and calls him forth and calls him back. And he says, I understand everything that you've gone through, Peter. I, under, I under, understand every motion that you have. I understand it. When you look at the mirror, you see you can't see love anymore. I understand you being buried in grief. I understand everything and every emotion that you're having. I understand why you want to run and hide and never be found again. I understand why you don't want to say that I belong to Christ. I understand everything within you, but everything that I understand about you, I will still want you for my kingdom. And I want you to help me to spread the gospel message of who I am to everyone around you. And in John 21, he calls him back to the shore of his life 
And when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said, Simon Peter, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he says, I love you. You know that I love you. Then feed my lambs. A second time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Shepherd my sheep. He asked him a third time. Boom, he heard it, finally heard it. It hit him straight to the heart. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was so grieved that he asked him a third time in correlation to the three denials. Do you love me? He said, Lord, you know everything and you know that I love you. Then he says, feed my sheep. He could have said to Simon Peter, Peter, you failed me. You deserve disaster. You deserve the emotions you're having to deal with. You deserve all of the pain that you're going through emotionally. You deserve being people pointing fingers and chasing you. You deserve having to hide for the rest of your life because you did not have the courage to identify yourself with me. But he says to Simon, he says, I understand everything you're going through. And Jesus gives him a great gift of compassion when he says to him, I love you, Peter, and I want to hear you say you love me with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, and you will be willing to serve me until you die. And Peter says, you know everything about me. You know that I love you. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. I made that declaration in Caesarea Philippi. You heard it, and you said to me, Lord, and upon this rock, upon this declaration, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall never fall against it. I'm the one who said that. You know everything about me. You know that I love you. You know I'll chop an ear off of a soldier if I have to. You know that I will kill someone because of you, if they're going to harm you. And he says, I've done that. But you corrected all my wrongs. You've forgiven me of all my sin. You know everything about me. And the gift that you give me today, I stand before you and I love you with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my strength. And I'm going to serve you for the rest of my life because you have given me a gift of compassion when no one else has. That's what compassion does. It changes a person's destiny. It changes their view on life. It gives them hope. It gives them a new perspective. It gives them the opportunity to look back in the mirror and say, I love you again. It gives them an opportunity to see that what they could not have seen before. It helps them to understand that the, the cloudiness and the fog of the vision they had is now crystal clear. And they can see beyond themselves and they see a greater purpose. They see, they see that God loves them and they, they are used for his kingdom in every small and every large way. Compassion for someone else can change their life for the rest of their life. I still relish, as I've told you the story recently about Jeffrey Mackey. And if Jeffrey's listening today, I hope he is. You know, I'm proud of him and proud of what he has done with his life and how he finally spit out all the dirt that he ate for so many years, crawling on the belly of the ground. And he rose up and he gave his life back to God and he's serving him and he's, he's got his heart right. He still calls me, <laughs> still calling me very frequently 
uh, since his conversion. Unexpectedly. He likes to call it midnight, really. <laughs> but anyway, it's all right. Keep calling me Jeffrey. You know, I stood with Jeffrey when others could not. I believed in him when others did not. His father did the same. And his father showed that compassion, care, and love. His brother showed that compassion, care, and love. A few people stood up for him and believed in him, even though we were tired of everything he did and really sick about everything he did. That's what compassion does. Every one of us have those testimonies. You have that testimony, and it's great to hold on to because you've shown that compassion when others could not. And you help that person to become who they are, and they're still becoming because of what you've done. I pat you on the back, and, and I'm sure the Lord smiles because of your work in someone else's life, or you may be the product of someone who did that for you. And you are who you are today because of that unnamed person in your life. Compassion can change the destiny of every person's life. It reminds me of Luke chapter 6, verse 31, the golden rule. This says, just as you want others to do for you, do the same for them. The Samaritan could not pass by because he saw himself as one day maybe in the same situation laying on the road and he wanted someone to help him. Paul understood that, that the things that happened to him was for a greater good and a greater purpose. For God works all those things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And Paul knew that. Mary understood when every, everybody else was pointing fingers and calling her the center of all sinners, the dirtiest of all dirtiest, the unwelcome of all unwelcomed, that Jesus was there to receive her and accept her as she was. Jesus understood the people standing there on that day who watched Mary and Martha and the, the crowd of Jews crying and hurting because of the death of one man. Jesus understood that he had an opportunity to show the, the group who was there that he cared so much that he could identify with their pain. And yet here with John, in, in, within the Gospel of John, we see where Peter could have been drowned, he could have drowned himself figuratively in that, in that lake and could have never been useful ever again. But Christ stood up for him when no one else was willing, not even when Peter was willing to stand up for himself. Christ believed in him. You see, all of these examples, they did just as they wanted others to do for them. They did the same for others. What a powerful verse of Scripture the golden rule is. Do you want compassion in your life? Then you have to show compassion in someone else's life. Better yet, what's better, compassion or anger? I think we all agree, compassion. There's a lot of things in this world that angers us. 
I see that. You see it every day, more so over the last six to nine months than we've ever seen in the course of our lifetime. And it's a lot of things that can make us angry, but there's also a lot of things compelling us to show compassion and care. So the question is, what will you do with this message? What will you do with compassion? What will you do the next time someone is falling, falling ill or someone who's crying out or someone who is in a difficult state? What are you going to do? Are you going to follow the golden rule to go do likewise or not? I think the greater, the greater result and the great answer that we all have this day is what are we going to do when we're called to show compassion, I believe that everyone in this very room and everyone who's listening is being called to be the agent and to be the comforter, to being the paraclete to those individuals or individual in our very life to show compassion to, to help them, to care for them, even if it's draining emotionally to do so, even if it takes your time to do so even if you've got to sacrifice something to do so, even if it costs you financially, you do so. Compassion is more important to be shown than anything else. If you say, well, I don't know if that's the most important. Well, go back to Luke chapter 23. If Jesus would have never shown compassion and said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do, then the criminal who cried out and he said, today you'll be with me in paradise would have never made it to paradise. And you and I would never have salvation this day. It's very important, if not the most important thing we're called to do as believers. To show compassion when no one else will. So go do likewise. Do unto others as you know what you want in your own life as well. You don't do it because you want to receive. You do it because it's an obligation of your faith and the joy of your life to do as Christ has done. So where are you in the area of love, compassion, and care? Is there someone in your own life today that's needing you to show something to them beyond what they've seen in the past? Is there one person or many persons that you need to go to, that you need to reach out to, to demonstrate your Christian love, to demonstrate the power of Christ within you, to demonstrate that you have strength from God and willing to give that strength away? Is there one person in your life you need to say, I'm sorry? Is there one person in life you need to say, I love you? Is there one person in life whom you need to say, I'm going to help you and this is how I'm going to do it? Go do likewise, as Jesus would do, as Stephen did. Don't hold it against them. Just love them and watch the change that happens in their life. Father, I thank you for this very moment of time that you give us today to rethink through the scriptures of just a few examples of this declaration of compassion seen in these individual lives, even 
in Stephen's life as he was dying, even in Jesus' life as he was dying, we see compassion, care, and love that's beyond belief. But we understand it because of our faith and our trust in you. We understand that when heaven affects us, salvation changes us. The person we are, we're no longer needing to be so that we become the person you've created us to be. Father, thank you for demonstrating the greatest level of care for our personal lives, spiritually as well as physically, mentally, emotionally, relationally, every area of our life. We thank you for the compassion and care and love, the grace, the mercy, the kindness that is displayed to us from you. Now, Father, give us the, the courage, the courage in the face of difficulty to demonstrate that same gift of kindness and the gifts of mercy and the gifts of compassion to all those around us, even the ones who despise us and even the ones who know us best that we demonstrate love, the Christ love within us, knowing that it is in your hands and is the results of the Holy Spirit to begin to do the work that can change their life for eternity. Thank you, God, for allowing us to serve you in your kingdom and to be your kingdom spokespersons through compassion. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen.
Of the storm.